Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to another version of Bill Roden on Sports, Rose Pod. I'm here at a uh, new undisclosed location in Manhattan now, I must tell you, in Manhattan. Okay. Uh, but I, yeah, yeah. Uh, holding it down here with, uh, you know, my friend and co-host, the great Jamal Murphy, and it, holding it down in Brooklyn. What's up, Murph? I'm chilling, Bill. Everything is good. Uh, it's just about 100 degrees out here. That's, you know, that's my only complaint. Everything else is good, though. Love it. Complaint. Yeah, now just think hot, about February 19th, whenever you start thinking about, keep thinking about a hawk, and like February 19th, whenever you want to complain. All right, no more, no more complaining, anyway. my bad. Well, that's all right, no, it's free country, you know, it's all, well. Trying to get there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, listen, we have a really uh, special guest, somebody I've known for quite a while, the great Julian McWilliams. He covers the Boston Red Sox for the Boston Globe, which is probably, you can't really, if you you love baseball, which he does. If you played baseball, which he did, and you love writing, which he does, I don't know, Julia, can you get any better than uh, covering uh, one of the cornerstone franchises for one of the cornerstone newspapers? The great Julian uh-huh. McWilliams. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't think it could get any better from a beat writing perspective. People always say to me, like, oh, Next stop is the Yankees. I'm like, man, I'm not. I, that's kind of a lateral move, you know, at this point. So, uh, so, but no, it's 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 been good. The fans here are definitely uh, 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 a little crazy. So, uh, it keeps you on your toes. A little crazy, huh? What, what, uh, can you elaborate? Man, just in the, uh, the 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 comments and the uh, just when I first got here, they said, "Don't read the comments of your story," and um, and and I made the mistake of reading the comments for like the first week. And it's it's a like guys going back and forth with each other, them coming at you, saying you don't know anything. Then you get emails, they bombard your emails every morning uh, uh, with with like you know criticisms and what they don't agree with and stuff like that. So it's good, it's good because it shows that eyes are on my story, which was a lot different from when I was in Oakland, where it seemed like I was only you know writing for myself at times. So uh, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, but so it, it's good from from that perspective. But it can drain you if you look at the comments. Just don't look at the comments. I hear that. Yeah. Man, there's so many things I want to ask you. Uh, just start for the here and now. Uh, what's, what, what's it been like covering uh, baseball Zoom? You got there, what, a couple years ago? Yeah. So I, I, you know, I actually started here in June of last year, but I started covering uh, my first season was to, uh, covering baseball was 2018. Uh, and I was out in Oakland. So what's it been like uh, covering baseball via Zoom? And so what's the plan? What, what's the plan? It's, it's definitely different. And um, it's harder to, to, I guess, build relationships. You know, we're, you know, journalism, I guess, is, is, is about, and particularly sports, is about, you know, gathering sources, building relationships with players, uh, getting to know them in the clubhouse. Like, you know, the players think we want to just be standing around the clubhouse or standing around. It's like, no, you know, it's, that's not what we're here to do. I, I'd much rather not be in this clubhouse, but... That's that's the way in which that we, you know, be able to build relationships standing on the field, uh, you know, before pregame, getting players when they're coming off the field, you know, just the little nuances, what the player has in their locker, you know, to, you know, that could, you know, possibly, you know, how he's tying his shoes, what type of cleats he has and starting the conversations like that. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's tougher because, you know, I'm sort of a, a, a player's guy, whereas, you know, a lot of my sources, a lot of times happen, a lot of times be players. Um, right. Because I think a lot of these executives are um, are white and a lot of them go to their boys to get them stuff. So I find myself having to relate to the players because I'm closer to their age. Um, so now I'm just I'm just relying on the context that I have on my phone. Um, in addition to uh, PR, which you can't really rely on PR because they just they just spoon feed you the manager, you know, right. the player, the pitcher. Uh, so. Um, sometimes it's not about that. Sometimes it's about the, you know, the, the 25th guy on the roster that can give you a story about, hey, you should do something on this. Or, hey, this is what's going on in here because, you know, those guys really don't have anything to lose per se. So, um, 
it, it's, it's definitely different. It's been an adjustment. Uh, I'm still adjusting to it. We're not allowed to go anywhere but the press box. Uh, we can't, uh, we, we can't, hour after the, after the last interview, we have to exit the stadium. So we have to write really, really quick. So it's been, it's been uh, de- different for sure. And it's just, you know, and I, and I get it. They want to take all the precautions they can, but it doesn't make your job any easier when, uh, you know, when you have to, when you're, when you rely on building those relationships. So you are in the stadium. Uh, yeah. How many, have they limited the number of, of press that's, that's allowed to be in there now? Yeah. So for right now, it's one per publication. And um, so, and, and is the globe kind of, uh, dominates a lot of places. You'll be at spring training. It's like six of us, right? It's, it's that, that are down there a lot of times. So now we're limited to one. So me, uh, myself, and the um, and the columnist, and myself, uh, our columnists are switching off between day to days. He'll go one day, I'll go the next day. So I had the I had the last two days. So he'll get the next two days um, after me. So I'm going again again on on today. Uh, but and then for opening day. Uh, they'll send Dan Shaughnessy uh, for for that first day because they want to get like a column on like the you know the vibe of the of the stadium and what it is for opening day without the fans and he's sort of like you know the go to guy here so um, but so it, it's it's it, they limit it to one person uh, you have to sit you know, when you sit you're spread out you can't necessarily be right next to a person you have to uh, wear a mask the whole, the whole time uh, the, even even though you're not around anybody. Uh, they take your temperature when they come in the stadium. Uh, you can't take the elevator unless you you're a person that uh, um, that that has like any like sort of disability. Uh, the players they're not in the locker rooms now. They they're staying. They they turn the locker room the suites uh, that they have that aren't being used into locker rooms. Oh wow! So so it's like two uh-huh. players per per suite and each so it's and it kind of goes all around it's interesting it looks like an AAU game when you see them walk down from the from the uh uh from the bleachers and then just go onto the field it kind of looks like one of those teams that plays in one of them tournaments on those like you know major league fields for the first time you see them walk down and just go onto the field so uh it's different they have piped in noise like piped in crowd noise and all that stuff uh they've they got court, they, cardboard they cardboard cutouts of, of they fans. haven't gone there yet they haven't gone there yet and so and the players they this it's only nine players allowed in the dugout plus three coaches so they turned uh, the I guess the the behind home plate they've turned that into tenant area and they've taken out some seats so players can sit under there and socially distance so they've taken a lot a lot of protocols and you know it's it's uh, hopefully they can get the season and we can get the season in because um, you know, it, it, they, they, they went through loops and boundaries to try to get it here. What about like spitting? I heard spitting, they're yeah. outlawing spitting, uh, high fives. Are they, are they allowed to high five each other? So they, they, they like fake high five each other. They go like that, like air high fives. They, they might give a fist bump here and there, but no handshakes. Um, they're not allowed to spit. They're not allowed to eat sunflower seeds. One of the pitchers told me that, that right. yeah, one of the pitchers, one of the pitchers told me that, um, he and when he when he's pitching now, he's wearing a mask not because he feels unsafe, but because he has a habit of licking his fingers when he pitches to get better grip on the ball. That's what a lot of pitchers do. They they you know they, to get a better grip, they lick their fingers so they could feel the ball better. So now he's having to wear a mask just so he won't lick his fingers. Um, so stuff stuff like that, man. I actually just wrote an article on like sort of the the the. Um, the mental duress that a lot of players are going to have to go through in the midst of a pandemic. You know, you have to, you know, remember not to spit. You have to remember to do this. You have to take these certain protocols. A lot of players like getting pitchers or players like getting to the ballpark uh, four hours ahead of time. They can't do that now. They have to, a lot of them like playing cards and, and, you know, in in the clubhouse and, you know, just uh, watching on uh, TV and stuff. So they can't do that. So it's that they're getting there an hour, two hours before game time, like much like we are. And they're just going straight to work. So a lot of players' routines are being messed up. And you know, um, baseball is a routine-oriented game, and, and players are really, really uh, uh, sticklers and religious about their routines. What's it been like, just in terms of the competitive element? You know, I mean, you're at these stadiums, they're empty. Uh, is the competition uh, just as intense? Yeah, I, I think so. Because I think at the end of the day, uh, they, they're they're baseball players, right? I mean, they're. They're there for a reason. They're there because of their competitive edge. It's funny because you hear a lot more of what they're saying now. And so, yeah. you know, I heard a, a pitcher on the, on the mound MFing himself to death. 
Um, you know, another another batter, you know, MFing himself to death after he didn't he didn't square up a pitch that he should felt like he should have hit. So I think the competition element is still there. Uh, they talked about kind of uh, playing their own teammates is kind of where right now at this point, because, you know, you don't you want to pitch inside as a pitcher, but you also don't want to hit your teammate and have him be out for the season. Right. So it's kind of been a, a kind of a weird balancing act for them uh, playing inter squad games. So I know they're excited to be able to to play against other teams, you know, come tomorrow they play, uh, they'll play the Toronto Blue Jays. So uh, for two exhibition games. So I know they're excited about that because they said definitely the, the idea of, of hurting one of your teammates could be uh, detrimental, particularly in, in a 60 game season where it's a sprint. You need everybody um, to, to be on their P's and Q's from day one. What do you make of that? The 60 game schedule, does it feel real? Does it feel like a real season? Are the players excited about it? And do you feel like in retrospect, this will be, looked at as a legitimate season? I mean, I, I think interesting uh, column the other day was saying, like, if you come out and you play in the middle, middle of a pandemic and, and, and you had to go through a shutdown, you have all these protocols and it's a 60 game season and you still have to go through the playoffs, no fans, like that's, that's still a, that's a world series champion, just considering all the loopholes that you have to go through to, to, to be able to get to this point. Right. So you know, I think I think it'll I think this will possibly be good for baseball for this season. Um, you know, be, being that it's a sprint baseball, uh, you know, it's it you can wear on you a little bit. They call the dog days of summer for a reason. 162 games every day. Now, from this is sort of like football, where it's like each game sort of matters. I was reading um, another article that said that if they go if a team loses seven games straight now, that's equivalent to them losing 18 straight. <laughs> and that can, you know, so that, 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 that in itself is, is, is going to make, I think going to bring a different element to the, to the, uh, to the game and a different level of excitement. And I think more people will watch it because of that. They may keep this format. <laughs> Maybe. But for, for the players, you know, I think they, they, they like the whole 162 thing. You know, obviously they, they're not getting the, they're getting the prorated pay of, of 60 games and stuff like that, which was a, which right. was a big thing. And, right. and, um, uh, but I think, I think that they would, they would much rather like 162, but like, I think just like us, they understand this is where we're at. And then, you know, you got to roll what you got. So now when is opening day? Uh, so Yankees open up fr- uh, Thursday. Uh, that's official opening day. And then the, the Red Sox open up Friday against the Orioles. Well, wow, it's coming Thursday. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah, well, I mean, how do we get out of predictions, man? I mean, I got I got my baseball writer's card. The whole so season has crept up on on me. Like, you know, I, was, I just turned the TV know, on a couple like, days yeah, ago. I see Mets and Yankees. I'm like, oh, wait, what's yeah, going on here? Right, right, right. Yeah, it's it's, it's 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 wild, man. It, it's wild to even think, like, even seeing the stands em- the, the the fan the, the stands em- empty without fans. It's like, whoa, you know, it's just it just doesn't look Yankee Stadium doesn't look like Yankee Stadium. You know, Fenway right. Park doesn't look like Fenway. Uh, without his fans, fans. So I, particularly in New York, because you know, in the playoffs, man, like that, that, and and the Mets too. Uh, you know, the, when those, those, that, those crowds get loud. Right. They get loud, and I think that's a huge thing. And the player, one of the players, brought it up. Um, his name Alex Verdugo. He's there. Um, he's a right fielder. He was like, you know, like I sort of play for the fans. Like he said, you reach like game twenty, game thirty, and you sort of have those like little cricks where it's like, ah, you know, your shoulder hurts or your back hurts or something like that. He said, sometimes you play through those things, you can get over that hump because you get that extra adrenaline from the fans. He said, so now we just have to try to figure out how to find it from somewhere else. So it's, it's, it's wild to even think about that they're playing without fans you know, in, in a major league ballparks. But I mean, but you can take this from your own experience. I mean, and, and I like to talk to you. I mean, you've, been playing, you've been playing baseball since you were like eight or nine or something. Yeah. You, know, you played all mm-hmm. the league or you played in college. You, play, you know, so you... You kind of know about the whole fans thing, but yeah. I, I thought you know Dave's gonna go through this too. But you, you remember when you were most of your career, you weren't playing in front of fans, I mean, you were playing basically right. to make the team. You were playing in front of empty stadiums. You were playing. Yeah. You were basically playing for for you. You were playing for yeah. teammates. You were making the squad. So in a way, this seems like it's going back to fundamental, basic competition where you weren't playing for fans that say you were playing for the game yeah 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 that's a good point that's a good point and I think you know to follow up on that like they've like I said before I think these guys are are, are there are there for a reason and they've all they've all been through the one of the guys was talking about like I played in the Arizona Fall League where it was just 15 people you know 
in, right. in the fall league. So I played in the minors where it was just, you know, in the middle of uh, Idaho where it's just, you know, crowds of a hundred or something like that. So, you know, I don't think it will be a big deal at the end of the day. Um, but it's just, just from a, from a optic looking at it from, from a, you know, from a reporter side or from a fan side and just seeing like no fans there. It's like, man, this is, this is crazy. You mentioned the 60 games and how that might, you know, how some guys, you know, how that might make, make it better in some ways. Yeah. There's some other uh, rule changes um, that are happening this year, specifically because of the pandemic, like the universal DH. Yeah. Um, I think relievers have to, have to uh, pitch to at least three batters. So there's no, yeah. no, you know, bring a reliever in for one, you know, lefty on lefty reliever situation. And then the extra innings, they're starting with a player on second base, right? Yeah, so on second base. I uh, do you think do you think this stuff stays around? You know, when when the when the season goes back to normal. Well, I, I definitely think that the the reliever thing will, and I you know once things um, and, I, and in addition to the universal DH, I think that's going to because they've been pushing for that for a while. Um, and we you know once you start doing things, so with the runner on second, they started doing that last year in the minor leagues. Okay. So once they start once they start testing stuff out in the minor leagues, you know stuff like that is serious. Um, even they were testing stuff. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if this is going to happen, but they were talking about, you know, uh, robotic umpires and it's just like, and they were doing that last year in, in the minor leagues too. Well, this would be, this would be a good time to do that. This would be a good time to do that. Why don't you like that? Huh? Why, why don't you like that? I, I, cause I, I just think, I, I just think human error is a part of the game. And I, and, 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 I, and I'm, and I'm sure one of those, one of those, one of those uh, machines will mess up one day. And could you imagine like getting the call wrong with a machine? So, um, <laughs> you know, but I, I, I think I, I just, I just like the, the human error part. I think that makes, makes sports what it is. There's a lot, whole lot of human error with the, with the uh, home plate umpires. It drives me crazy, you know, watching the yeah. game oh, and oh, the different you strike know, zones. You're talking all that shit now. Oh, human error. You didn't like human error when you were playing. <laughs> I didn't you know, like it. You got- you got called right. out on a call third, or you were sliding yeah. in, and you knew you were safe, and you I, come true. on, man, come on, Junior. That's true. You, you <laughs> that. on, That's true. You, know, you know, you did not like human error when you were playing, did you? Admit, no, it. did I, you like I, human? I, error? I, I didn't, but I liked having somebody to blame. That's 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 what it was. Good point. <laughs> well, see, <laughs> you can't argue against the machine. They said, well, you know, so how how's that gonna work? Are you gonna? I, I gotta tell you, man. I thought for years. For years, they should have had like on the screen, and they started doing right. it like a like a batter, an automatic strike zone. Right, right, right. But I think I think it has some it has some uh, elements where it has to figure it out. Like for instance, I think they were saying that uh, a lot of times when something when a, when a ball is like high, sometimes um, they'll call it a strike, even though it's not a strike, just based on um, where it crosses, not crosses the plate, or where the catcher catches it, or something like that. So. Um, and and the strike is dictated where it really you really crosses the plate. Um, so we'll see. It probably needs some probably needs some updates and something like that. I, I know they said one minor leaguer was like he started, like he got called out on a, on a, on a, on a strike and he started arguing with the machine that last year. <laughs> he kicked like, dirt on the machine. This thing out or something like that. So, um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see. Ejected. Who ejects you? Well, I think there's still umpires there, uh, but I think that they're getting a signal in their ear as to what the, what is, if it's a strike or ball. Um, so, so he started, he started arguing with the umpire and umpire said, look, it's not me. It's that machine. So, <laughs> right. Passive. But, but what about, but bases, first base, second, you still got human beings there, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah that's what they had that replay thing. That thing kills me, man, because that, that you want to talk about pace of play that ruins everything. These dudes, like they, they review everything. It, it's it's just it's just getting to a point now where I think they should have a certain number of of um I guess I guess reviews a game because it seems like they review every little play mm-hmm. um and it's it's everything so and that, and that's really really like uh, stops the flow of the game sometimes like they like they review stuff like um, you know when you slide and and you come off the bag a little bit but right. you're not really out but you but you're out but it's not you know but just to the eye you're really not out. And so they'll they'll review stuff like that. It's just it's just become so so tedious. And when you're trying to cover a game on deadline, man, it's like, come on. <laughs> no, but you're right about yeah. that. I hate I hate those calls now that are so routine where uh the guy's safe 
and he comes off yeah. a little after you know after sliding, and all of a sudden, right. that's an out like that. You know, we've been watching baseball, for, you know, for all, all our lives, and that was it was never like that. So now right. it's like you know you have to change the entire way you play almost. Right, right, well, right. But it's an out. I guess technically you are, but I mean, it's just, it's just a, it's just like the cheapest out ever. And, and, and a right. lot of times they might even move you off the bag a little bit. Right. Just keeping the, keeping the tag there for like, come on, bro, take this tag off me now. Right. You know, so <laughs> I don't, I don't blame him, man. That's, it's, it's, that's gamesmanship, but you know, it's, it all, it all, and they're all like, kind of like the, it's sort of like the, the James Harden foul, right. Where it's like, he yeah, comes to the lane and he throws it up and it's like, bro, it's a foul, but it's like, bro, come like, is that really a foul? Right. Like, you know. But who who's it up to to change that? I mean, isn't it up to at some point the game has to make an adjustment? You know, yeah, I mean, that's 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 that that's that commissioner up there, man. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know. He's 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 got his hands full, man. He's got his hands full. Barely he's hanging not, not on. Good, he's yep. barely hanging on. Remember, barely they wanted on. to run him out of town after he made his. What's the comment he made? He made a, a couple. He said it's a piece of metal. Back in, uh, yeah, it's a piece of <laughs> piece of metal. And <laughs> you're a piece of. Pieces, yeah, you know, like you know, you can't. Yeah, I, I just don't think he's a fan of the game like that, man. He's a labor lawyer, you know. He he just gets the them owners rich, and that's that's his job. That's all he cares about. I don't think he really cares about, um, you know, making the game a global brand or trying to do that. Mm. Two things: how is journalism wise? How have you had to change uh, your um, your routine, your practices? Uh, like you're talking about now, deadlining all of a sudden becomes you know that becomes almost um not it's always been mandatory but mm-hmm. i mean more than ever deadline yeah. writing is the thing so how have you had to change your routine and all that um well it's it, I, I try to pre-write as much as i can you know um like i'm like i'm before like for instance right now i'm i'm going to the ballpark but i know um, cause they have this game at seven. We can't get to the, the gates don't open now until six o'clock, six 30. Um, so we get, we get in there 30 minutes before game time. Like it's like, it's, uh, like it's school or something like that. It's, it's weird. Like baseball, you know, you, you're there early, you know, and, and I, I'm actually, I'm actually cool with not being there that early. Cause sometimes, you know, it's like, why am I here at three 30 for a, or two o'clock for a seven o'clock game? Like, right. I think sometimes with baseball, yeah. yeah, I think sometimes in baseball, it's a lot of false hustle, man. It's a lot of people there that just right. uh, just want to be there and say, well, I got here at this time, this early at the ballpark. It's like, well, bro, we're like, what are you really doing? Right. Um, so, right. um, but for, for me, it's, it's, it's it, I just try to plan a lot more ahead of, the, ahead of the time. A lot of times, you know, I go in with the general idea of like what I want to do, um, you know, but I just you know, I let the day develop, you know, a little bit more um, when I'm in those when in a normal season, I let the day develop. I let, you know, what I see in the clubhouse, you know, dictate how I go about things, what the manager says and stuff like that. Now it's like, OK, I know this guy's going to pitch on this day. I know he's pitching on this day. So I probably got to write about this. And just the planning process for it is, is a little bit more um, in depth because I, I have to you have to. I mean, you're, you're underneath. You're not you're not only underneath the gun. Um, deadline-wise, but you don't need the gun to get out the stadium, right? Because they want you out of there as quick as possible. So the manager, you, you know, there's all the tradition. You get there, the manager talks and all that. That's out. No manager talk. So, so he, so he talked already. He talked to via Zoom um, mm. from from our house. And so I usually write as much as I. So I do a notebook and a and a, and a and you know, you know, you know how it is. Build notebook and, and a game story. Um, so the notebook you file at, at the at the at the uh, start of the game. And then the, the game story you file at the end of the game, then you go back, put your quotes in and stuff like that, then file again um, afterwards. So I've, I've you know, already wrote, written my notebook and I've, I've filed that to, uh, you know, the desk already because based off, you know, the, the manager, manager's pregame stuff. And I'll just write off tonight's game. So um, he so he speaks usually every day around like three o'clock. And then we then from there. You know, you go to the field when it opens up around six, six thirty. So that's how it's going to be the entire season. It talks before and after the game. On Zoom, but you, but you, you watch him on Zoom from the stadium or from you know, from the, the stadium. Park. That's from that time, yeah. And a lot of people, wow. a lot of people are, are, are opting out of even coming, saying, you know, what's the point of being at the stadium if I can't, you know, have um, access to you know players and managers? I see it a little bit differently because I, you know, I, I play, you know, I played baseball, so a lot of my writing is, is is dictated on what I see on the field, 
right? And what like different, you know, what what a player does in batting practice, you know, what's he, um, what's he, uh, uh, what he was out in front on that pitch, you know, you know, Nesson, uh, New England Sports Network is going to show me a lot of things. Uh, they, they're just going to show me what they're going to show me, probably just the batter and the pitcher. But what if I just want to do a story on the third baseman where he's set up on, on the lip of the grass or something like that? You know, the different nuances of the game, that's what I try to bring into my writing. So that's the, the only way that comes to life a lot of times if, if I'm at the field um, watching the game. So, um, you know, it, it has its down parts being there. I see where a lot of writers say, I don't, I don't see a point saying being there. But for me, it's, it's I, I, I like being there. Like, for instance, last night, you know, um, uh, 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 their shortstop, I saw him in his last at bat. He, he, took a, he took a pitch, but then I saw him grab his hammy. Uh, and then I, then I saw him shake it out. And, you know, I was the only one that saw that. It was only like me and three other guys in there. Even from other, everybody else was probably home watching on TV or something like that. So after the game, I was like, hey, he, yeah, whatever. I said, hey, man, I saw him walking back to the dugout and shake his hand. Is he all right? He said, ah, he actually pulled something, you know, hope you'll be day to day. So, you know, stuff like that is, is the things that you can still benefit from being at the stadium and watching games. Mm. When you first came on, you said um, the season, if, yeah. if the season goes through, if we make it through the season. Is that something that you're that you are worried about? I mean, you're you've been there every day. Are you hearing players, uh, you know, have reservations about this also? Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I think the players definitely have reservations about it. I mean, uh, particularly, I mean, you see players on your teammates, you know, catching the virus, and and some having symptoms, some not having symptoms. I remember, um, you know, the pitch their starting pitcher Eduardo Rodriguez said like he was out, he was out for like a week with it. You know, he's just, he was just done 104 fever. Then, you know, you have somebody like DJ LeMay who's for the Yankees who says he was stunned when they said that he had the virus. Right. So um, I think, I think a lot of times it'll become a lot. I was talking to one player um, um, via text and he says he thinks it'll be, he thinks it'll become a lot realer uh, for players um, once they have to, once the season starts and they have to ride on buses and stuff like that. And they have them in their forms of transportation. You know, because if you remember, like baseball, they're playing in their home stadiums. They still got to go to Florida, you know, where the numbers are popping. They still got to go to uh, 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 California, where the numbers are popping up. You know, it's not like the NBA where it's in a bubble. Um, and then when off the field, they don't have these sort of protocols that the NBA has where you just stuck to stuck in one place. You know, you can go out with your family. So and, you know, and a lot of a lot of baseball, man, you know, it's, it's a lot of a lot of Trump supporters and a lot of. Uh, people who think this stuff is a hoax and all that stuff. So, you know, how, how, biz- how diligent are they going to be in all this? So those are the things I think about when, um, when, and, and why I'm have, have pause if there's going to be a season or not, because there's just so many things that have to go right for this to work. It's still regional competition, right? There's no more cross country, cross country travel. No, no, it's no, it's just regional, but I mean, uh, so but uh, you know, and what, and what does that mean? What what does that mean specifically? Regional. So so like so like there's no AL and NL this year, right? There's just like wherever whatever's closer. So like the Red Sox go play the Nationals, the Orioles, the Phillies. Uh, you know they'll play. They they start on the road against the Mets, I think first, and then the Yankees for three. Um, so it's whatever teams are, are the closest to you. However, they do have to travel to Florida uh, to play Tampa. Uh, I believe it's six times there and then three times or two times and they, they go to, they go to, or they go for two, then they go to a two game set against the, the Marlins. So, um, you know, that's, that it's going to be interesting when other teams go into those places, have to stay in these hotels, um, you know, and, and so, you know, that's, that thing, that's why you see a lot of players opting out um, or it's because it's just like, it's not worth it. So, right. um We'll see is what there, happens. Is there still an AL East, NL East, all that, or no? So, yeah, you'll still play your division, um, okay. but the, just the leagues um, are, aren't, aren't, aren't there anymore. And then, as you see, you know, the Toronto Blue Jays, right. uh, they banned uh, any type of team. Well, they banned the Blue Jays from being able to play there. Right. You know, they said, you know, hey, we don't want we've, – we've been able to, you know, sort of – you know, corral this virus and, and, and keep it, you know, and flatten the curve. I think they only had like 332 cases in the entire um, country of Canada as of July 14th. Whereas in New York, you know, here we have like 70,000 cases a day. So, um, so they, so now that's another element where they're trying to figure out where to play. I think they said that the Pittsburgh pirates are probably going to share their stadium with them in, in Pittsburgh. So um, it's a lot of moving parts, man, to this. And, and, and I, and you, and I can understand 
why the you know Canadian government would try to be diligent in terms of you know not having you know sports there and having all these U.S. teams come because man, that's where this virus is 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 is, is still catching up steam and it hasn't has been relentless. Canada must have some some real leadership or something. I don't know. Probably right. <laughs> Sounds like it. But uh, are you traveling with the team? No, I'm so as a I'll, I'll do the New York trips, um, but I won't do any of the rest of them. Rest of them because uh, they Massachusetts has a state mandate uh, that that if you go to states outside of New New York, New Jersey, Vermont, Rhode Island, et cetera, Maine, uh, you have to do do automatic 14 day quarantine. So the Red Sox have adopted that same uh, that same law. So it, it's interesting because one of uh, the writers for the Athletic. He went to go visit his 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 wife's family in North Carolina for for a week. Then came back and didn't know that you know there was this you know the quarantine uh, 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 mandate. And so tried to enter enter um, the stadium, and they have you fill out this this survey every day. So have you been out the states just and such and so? So you know, he's just filling it out, thinking you know yeah I'm just being honest to him. Yeah I did this did that. You know he feels like it's gonna you know come back and it says it says you're denied from work. So he goes, he goes and up to the person says, Hey man, what's, what's up? Why am I denied? He's like, well, were you, did you go out of these, these States? And he was like, yeah. And they said, yeah, you got to do a 14 day quarantine. So he just got back into the stadium. This was, this was the first day of, of summer camp. He just got back into the stadium yesterday with a week, with a week left of summer camp. But that won't, that doesn't apply to the players who will play, like you said, will play in Florida, come back to wherever and there's yeah. no quarantine for them. So yeah, yeah. So, well, they, so they're getting tested every other day. They okay. have access to testing. Okay. So, okay. Uh, and, and and so they, so you know, they they have they're getting tested every other day. So they're and they've been serious about that. Well, do you, yeah. you remember when the Nationals pitcher uh, uh, Sean Doolittle? Yeah. Uh, when he said when he was complaining that he wasn't getting the testing back fast enough, he also said some other stuff that was interesting. But so they right. they've improved the testing. As far as you know, yeah, I, I think I think so. I think I think they have. I know. I remember the Oakland A's had issues with their testing too, because um, their their testing kit they had to send it to Utah, uh, and then yeah. I think I think Utah it said they were sitting at SFO like the, on the I think a night after they they had you know collected all the tests and they hadn't even sent it to Utah yet because it's just so overloaded. So I think they were trying to figure up a, a, a find another testing site where they can put together all this stuff and, and have it go smoothly. So I think it's going a little bit better now, but in that first week, it was a mess. Hey, Julian, uh, just a couple of things, man. You mentioned a few times you played baseball. Just kind of take us through your, your, uh, the, the, the path that led you to baseball, then to journalism. It was pretty, pretty fascinating career. Um, well, I started playing baseball when I was six, played in Harlem Little League uh, up until I was 12. Uh, my team went to the, uh, Little League World Series in 2002. I, I was thinking was that, that team, right? my dad was a coach of that team. Yep. And he was, that was, that was crazy. I was thinking other day, I was like, wow, that's 18 years ago. Um, and, and, and he was the coach of that team. Um, then from there, I played travel ball uh, all through high school, all through middle school, actually. I went to the Beacon School in New York, graduated, uh, got a scholarship to Ohio University in Athens, Ohio. Uh, Played one year there before transferring to Temple, finishing out there. And, you know, I played a year of um, independent, professional independent ball in, in Mexico. And wow. from there, and from, from there, man, I was just, you know, I was 23 years old and didn't really see it, see it going anywhere. You know, I felt like I had, had squeezed all, out all the, um, you know, the, the talent and, and, and I guess, uh, you know, opportunities I was, I was granted. And I said, I, you know, I, I wanted to be able to, to be, be close to the game. Um, so, you know, at first I, I thought about getting into, you know, I always wanted to write, but at first I was like, you know, maybe I want to work in front office. And, you know, I, I kind of got a, not, not, not discouraged, but a little bit, uh, I didn't like all the, where the game was going with all these numbers and stuff, man. Like, you know, I, my, one of my friends sent me a, um, one of these um, exams that he had to take, uh, just to, to get into to, to sports, you know, and, and it was just all analytics. It was just, it was like, it was like math equations. And it was like, what does this have to do with baseball? Um, so I, that, that's, that's part of the reason why I didn't go that route. But I said, and I just wanted to be able to express it in a way that um, could, could get to readers and enlighten readers in the way that I felt, you know, I was, that, that suited me. 
so I, I, I tried to stay around. I, I worked, I grinded, I worked at, um, you know, the Huffington Post in the city, just, you know, just uh, as a, you know, as a production assistant, just trying to get somewhere in the journalism field, uh, finagled that into uh, the uh, MLB Sports on Earth, uh, which wasn't nothing. And then after that, you know, I, I remember talking to Bill and, and, and everybody and saying, man, you really, and Rob Parker too. And he was saying, man, you really need to get into uh, covering it, covering something, you know, covering uh, a beat, covering a team, covering, uh, doing some reportorial journalism, you know, sitting at home writing about these games that you're not at are fine, but, you know, that's not getting your teeth in, in, in the ground. So I quit that job, actually, and I was like, man, I'm going to just, and I started working for the Riverdale Press in Riverdale uh, for free, actually, but I had the luxury of being able, I was living at home, so I didn't have to pay any rent or anything like that, so I started covering Manhattan uh, basketball, uh, you know, tennis, uh, women's basketball, you name it, I was covering it. And then I, I was applying everywhere. And, and luckily I got a job uh, shortly after that in Greenwood, South Carolina, covering high school sports and, and you know, high school sports and, and some Clemson stuff. And that's why I really sort of like started to grind and, 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 and you know, because covering high school is different, man. Covering high school football, that if you, I remember Monique Jones was the one who told me this. She's like, if you can cover high school football, you can cover anything. Um, and so it's just, it's just so hard. You have to do a lot of times you have to do your own, take your own pictures, you know, have your own camera, you know, uh, keep stats, you know, um, then go back and do, uh, and type in, you know, the, the scores of the games that you weren't at and why you're trying to write an article. So it's a lot of multitasking, a lot of layers to it that teach you how to do things quick and teach you how to do things thorough. And I think that's where a lot of things that gets lost in, in a lot of younger people, I sound like an old guy now, mm-hmm. but a lot of younger people now is I think they don't want to go through the steps of, of, of covering a high school team, right? Or covering, say, um, you know, DeWitt, Clinton, DeWitt and Clinton High School in the Bronx, you know, or something like that. They want to just, oh, I want to cover Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And it's like, <laughs> well, it doesn't work that way. You know, that's not, that's not the way journalism is. And I think there's something to being there's a there's a base level that you have to understand in journalism of covering high school sports and really understanding how to you know file a story from you know from outside of a mcdonald's where it's closed but you're trying to get its wi-fi like you need to have those type of experiences so that you can you know and build relationships and learn how to build relationships before you walk into these situations so i did that and then i and then mark spears was able to get me in at the, at the, at the, at the athletic Mark, Mark Spears and Marcus Thompson, cause they knew Tim Kawakami and that's where I started covering the Oakland A's. And then Gary Washburn was, was very p- pivotal in, uh, you know, me landing my job at the globe once that position came open. So, um, a lot of it was about, um, you know, I guess opportunity and, and, and trying to, trying to stay ready for when that opportunity came. Wow. Yeah. That's we, great stuff. That's, what, that's great stuff. It's did, like, uh, journalism one-on-one. I mean, you gotta grind, uh, I, I guess uh, maybe my last day for you is, and this is a whole other podcast, but just the lack of black folks in baseball, the lack of black folks in baseball journalism. Um, it, it's uh, yeah. I mean, you probably go every sport, but in your sport, baseball, it's, yeah. it's just phenomenal. It's phenomenally absent black folks. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of it, uh, uh, if it comes down to, uh, for for a lack of players in baseball, I think a lot of it comes down to to the youth level and player development. Uh, I think that like a lot of these 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 leagues, you know, I had my I had my father who who played at University of Maryland, who was able to teach a group of six seven of us, you know, how to play, and then six seven of us went to college and played college baseball, and then two went two three went on to play, you know, professionally. Um, you know, I have wow. uh, Steve 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 Bandora in in Philadelphia, uh, who who coached Monet Davis. You know, you look at the the group of kids that he has coming out. You think his son's going to Princeton, another one's going to University of Richmond. Uh, Monet plays softball at Hampton, and, and you know, and, and but he has this whole facility. Then these kids that he's been developing for this amount of time uh, that that you know that's in, that's enabled him that's enabled them to get to the places that they've been. So I think you know the team from Chicago uh, uh, that that made it to the Little League World Series. I think in two, in that, but they got it stripped because of they're out of they're out of state or out of the boundaries. That that's another team. That's another that's another team where the coach got drafted in the uh, in the twenty third round, 
and they and and this just this year they they had the the, the eighth pick overall in the draft Ed Howard who also played on that Chicago team and he's he's the real deal. Oh, wow. So I think a lot of a lot of it man comes down to just keeping these kids engaged past you know the 11 or 12 year old. It's cool to have your you, you know somebody's you know soccer parent teaching them baseball you know at a certain age but at certain ages you got to you know you got to get ready to go in this you know and I think being able to afford tournaments is, is a large part of it too. Uh, but I think, uh, but I think a significant part of it is just being able to develop these guys at at that level. Um, as it relates to journalism, you know, I talk about it all the time. I think it's only like four active beat writers um, who are African American covering baseball. I think Coley Harvey was made it five, but he left. Then Jamal Collier, who used to cover the, the Washington Nationals, he left and took a job in basketball covering the basket covering the, the Bulls for the Chicago Tribune. So. Um, I think now it's just it's just four of us. I think it's Nubias Wilson, uh, Bobby Nightingale Jr., Thomas Harding, and myself, and Lavelle Neal. So five, so five of us. Um, so I, I think there needs to 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 be be more of an opportunity for that, right? I think there needs to be more of an opportunity for you know people like myself. You know, when I'm at NABJ, say, yo, man, like yo, you're, you're needed over here in this baseball side too, right? And that basketball and football is cool, but, you know, you need to get in the way you can get in. Um, there needs to be more uh, developmental programs that get us in these places. Uh, there needs to be more uh, uh, blacks playing baseball, I think, and, and keeping them engaged. I think that that will, in large part, you know, sway sway us to, to want to cover it more. Uh, but there also needs to be, be, be different hiring practices, too. I know a lot of black, black, black people that um, will probably want to cover baseball, but they just never had the opportunity. They don't know how to, they don't, they, they, and sometimes they don't know how to go about that opportunity sometimes. So I think there needs to be some sort of uh, a sway from management to, to, to seek out these guys and develop these guys. You know, I'm looking at, you know, I have friends of mine who had no experience um, as, as reporters and I wouldn't say names, but you know, and they're white, uh, and, but they, they, they maybe wrote for a blog before, and they got an opportunity to cover a team, you, you cover a team like say like you know the Mets or something like that, you know, or, mm-hmm. or or the Red Sox or or whatever. And it's like you're putting this person on that beat, and they've never ever covered a sport. Now, granted, that person, those people, people turn out to be good good you know journalists, but it's like that's not that's an opportunity that we would never get. Right. You know, that's mm-hmm. we we have to go to South Carolina to you know to uh, to Oakland to here to there. To, you know all these loops and bounds boundaries just to just to be able to get a, get an opportunity, you know. And here you had the all these writers from the athletic just coming out of college, um, and then and them getting these jobs, you know, at covering major teams. And then whereas I'm the guy coming that that was out of college, and they're like, well, does he have enough experience? I'm like, I've covered yeah. I've covered high school in Clemson. Like, what do you? I, I've right. I've had my feet on the ground. You know what I mean? So like, th- those are the type of th- those are the type of like we need, we need to we need a place where we can have these opportunities that a lot of these white dudes have because, and 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 white women, you know, to be honest with you, because if you look at you look at the the number of women that cover baseball versus the number of black males that cover baseball, it's it's it's, it's no comparison. So I think I think we need to we need to be in a space where where these where these management companies and these that that like like the Athletic, like you know the New York Times, whatever that that have a huge saying things they need to give blacks an opportunity that maybe aren't the best journalists but they can be developed mm, right well that was always the role of the black press i mean that, that yeah. again that gets into another whole thing but if you look at the history of the black press that was like where at a certain time that's where you would cover you know mm-hmm. you cut your teeth you'd be right. published or something yeah. but you know you need people in, in position of power and control so but yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, Julian, definitely, you know, enjoying what you're doing uh, with the Red Sox, with the A's before that. Keep doing your thing. You, you uh, can possibly open doors for, for others yeah. on the topics that you were just talking about. Before we get out of here, baseball quickly, the 60-game season. You got any predictions? Uh, who's coming out the AL East? Who, who's who's going to be in the World Series? Any any predictions? I got I got the Yankees in Houston, man. Back at it again. Okay. That's what I got. Oh, wouldn't and, that be? Wouldn't that be I, I think I think I think that's what's gonna happen when, on the AL East side. I don't think the Red Sox can do much this year, man. I, they they're they're sorry, and they turn sorry quick. Right. They, Price Mookie's gone. Right. Sale gets hurt. It's just it's just like whoa, you know. So 
How'd you think the manager leaving? You know, I, I I was I wasn't surprised after that after that all that stuff came out on him. But I think I think he'll get another opportunity. I, I think he's legitimately um, a, a smart guy and smart manager. I think he he probably tried to get a little bit too smart. But I don't like how uh, uh, um, sort of how they made him be the sort of be the ringleader of this. Right. So that's that's another that's another element we can get in. So like the two Latino guys are the ringleaders, but not the GM and the owner. Right. Like you know the white the white GM that, that that's that with all the. Uh, so how, and, and and the coach, you know, or the manager. I'm sorry, like AJ Hinch. How's he not? How's he not the villain like this? So you let a bench coach and a player, you know, override what you override you. So like, yeah, I just this doesn't make sense. So um, you know, I, I think he kind of got a raw deal on this, but I think I think he'll be back sooner or later because I think he can he can really manage. You think he'll he'll get that opportunity? If, yeah, I think I think he's done a good job of just going away and not being not being present. And I think. This pandemic has 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 made a lot of people forget about this because Houston people are going to be on Houston's butts this year, man. Oh, and man. they got lucky. <laughs> they, they, they got lucky. You know, they're, they're so happy for this. <laughs> yeah. So I I think in due time he'll be back. Cam and AJ Hinch, of course. Of course, AJ Hinch will be back, but I think Oz Core right. will be back too. Well, AJ Hinch will come back as like the owner of the team or something. Exactly. <laughs> the president right? of the United States. Okay. Right. <laughs> Right, and write a book. Yes, right, a New York Times bestseller. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey, uh, hey, hey, Julie, thanks so much, man. I guess it's been the great Julie McWilliams. Man, I was so proud of you. Um, you know, you work hard, and you, as you said, you, you like brick by brick. You know, you put yeah. this career together, and it shows. Though. I mean, there, there's something to be said for for paying those kind of dues, man. You could, you pay dues, brother. You know, you pay dues in it. You look back on it, and this just makes you fundamentally sound, you know. Yeah. And uh, like you say, a lot of people don't get it, but you don't get it, and you won't right. get it. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, I, well, thank you, Mr. Roden. I appreciate all your help along the way, and you know, I appreciate you all having me on too. I really, I really had fun with this. Yeah, this was great. So, listen, man, go to the ballpark. You know, look at the cardboard people, and uh, you know, <laughs> piped in sound, and uh, you know. We'll uh, look forward to reading you. But, hey, Julie, thank you so much, no man. You're, you're, you're hey, thanks, guys. Thanks Appreciate a lot. Appreciate it. Uh, All talk right, to you soon. All right, guys. There you have it. That's good. It's great stuff. Yeah, great stuff. Um, you know, the baseball season, 60 games. Uh, maybe it will be more, um, you know, compelling. We'll see. Like all all these leagues about to, are coming back at this, around the same time. Baseball starts. You got basketball in about 10 days, hockey, uh, football. We don't even... We, that's a whole nother podcast right there. Yeah, I know. Yeah. A couple quick things before we go. Uh, speaking of the NFL, Russell Wilson uh, tweeted that the NFL has no real plan on player health and safety. He wants to hear something before they're supposed to go to uh, training camp in 10 days. So already we're seeing the issues we thought would come up in, in the NFL. Right. Yeah. And he's got a family. He's got a young family. And a star, pregnant star for a wife. So he, he mentioned that oh, in the tweet too. Yeah, he said, he said, my wife is pregnant. I need to know what's going on. What are we doing for safety? And I haven't heard anything. So, uh, you know, when, when their biggest stars wow. start to speak out, that, that's always something. So we'll see what the NFL says. Another interesting tweet from uh, Mark Cuban. Uh, he, said, he said that the National Anthem Police should complain to their bosses and ask why they don't play the National Anthem uh, every day before they go to work. Cause someone was on there complaining that if, if he saw any of the Mavericks kneeling, he'd be out. So in response, uh, Cuban said, well, how you know, do they play the national anthem before you every day before you work? <laughs> That's right. That's great. <laughs> That's so great. I thought, I thought yeah. that was a good one. That was a good one, Mark. That was pretty, that was pretty good. Go Mark. Yeah. He's taking on Herschel Walker. Did you see that? No, I didn't Herschel see that. Walker was, oh man. Google that. Herschel Walker, who's a Trump supporter, by the way, oh my was goodness. kind of down on Black Lives Matter. Huh? And, and Cuban was like, Herschel, what? <laughs> you know, you're killing me. Herschel Walker, a Trump supporter. Oh, okay. No, this is great. So I just want to say, uh, everybody, sub- make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave, re- leave a review. Uh, it helps the show's traffic a lot. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BrosPod. Give us your feedback. Tell us what you'd like us to discuss and potential guests you'd like to hear from. Um, so definitely keep, keep engaged with us, and uh, we'll try to see what we can do. Uh, another great show, Bill. Great stuff, man. Glad uh, 
thanks Julian McWilliams. Yeah, that was great. Writer for the Boston Bowl. That was great stuff, not only about baseball, but also, you know, young people and journalism. Right. You know, that was uh, good stuff. You know, nothing like beat hard work, like hard work. So that's it from up here, undisclosed location in, in Manhattan. All right. All right. Uh, uh, Jamal, great seeing you again. And I guess we will, uh, you know, we'll be back next week somewhere. Yeah, we'll be back next but week. we got a lot of the bubble starting, the NBA bubble starting. A lot of stuff. Know, all, so all of a sudden, there's going to be sports to talk about in some way, I, shape, I or form. I, yeah, I kind of miss it. Well, I don't miss that. I'm going to miss this era where we right. can focus on stuff that really matters. Right. Because there's, there's a lot of people who can't wait to get the current game. So they don't have Black Lives Matter. They don't have to deal with nothing but, you know, oh, that dunk and that's the ball game and the standings, you know, people right in the hiring and the all white staffs, you know, they said, you know, let, can we please get away from that? Let's give us some more diversion. All right, Jamal. So listen, man, thanks. Uh, you know, as usual, great job. And all our re- listeners, uh, thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next week. God bless. For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks, that's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.